Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hey, hustlers. We know that this 2024, the entrepreneurial journey is filled with challenges. An often overlooked aspect is the time-consuming task of processing payroll and managing government requirements. And did you know that the average admin spends a whopping 50 hours per month dealing with just government compliance? That's time you could be spending on growing your business, or let's be honest, taking a well-deserved break. But fear not, we got a game changer for you, introducing Sprout Solutions and their tailored solutions for MSMEs called the Payroll Starter. With Sprout Solutions Payroll Starter, you can finally reclaim your time and get your life back on track. Say goodbye to the stress of remembering tax dates or worrying about missed payroll runs. This bundle is designed to make your life easier and your business more efficient. And here's the best part. The cost starts just at 5,000 pesos per month for businesses with up to 10 employees. Yep, you heard that right. That's just 5,000 pesos per month. So why spend another minute drowning in payroll paperwork when Sprout can revolutionize the way you manage your payroll and government requirements? Take the first step towards a more efficient business today. Visit sprout.ph slash payroll starter monthly 5k. If you missed that, don't worry. We have it in the description box of this episode. So click that too. And again, big shout out to Sprout Solutions because your time is too valuable to be spent on paperwork. Reclaim it with their payroll starter. Now let's begin this episode. The Hustle Share podcast is brought to you by Sendit Philippines. Sendit is the leading payment gateway in the Philippines. Allow your business to accept payments seamlessly from cards, e-wallets, retail outlets, and local banks. For more information, visit sendit.co. Also powered by PDAX. PDAX is a homegrown cryptocurrency exchange that offers the best rates among local cryptocurrency exchanges. Download the PDAX app now on the Google Play Store, App Store, or Huawei App Gallery. Start trading Bitcoin, Ethereum, and other cryptocurrencies for as low as 50 pesos by signing up on podlink.co slash hustlesharepdax. Also by Podmetrics, the easiest way to monetize your podcast. Sign up now at podmetrics.co for free and use the code HUSTLESHARE. It's not just the work of one person, but it's the work of many people. It's the work of an entire organization. So one one side failed, it's very easy not to succeed. And we had to make sure that everybody was on the same page and we had the same mindset. And it worked for us. Work for us. Welcome to Hustle Share. The podcast that features the daily grinds of unique hustlers around the world to show not our differences but that our hustles are very much alike. Now here's your host, Ronster Beitiong. Welcome to the latest episode of the I'll Share Podcast. We are with a GM of one of the biggest uh, you know, companies in the Philippines. Again, internationally, actually. But I love this product because I use their platform and their tech to print out a lot 
of papers back when I was still running Chatbot VH because we used to print a lot of papers there, right? The pre-pandemic. And again, I love that, uh, you know, it saved me from a lot of standing up because uh, Epson always has the best technology, especially the Wi-Fi, Bluetooth, uh, I don't have to like plug in my computer to print a lot of papers and that saved me a lot of back aches <laughs> of trying to uh, come uh, up and down just to print papers but before I get carried away I need to welcome the GM of Epson in the Philippines let's welcome to the show Mr. Ed Bonoan of Epson Philippines hello hello Thank you, Ed. Again, Ed, thanks very much. And I want to give you the best intro. But the best intro should come from you. Because I had to ask you the million-dollar question. Ed, what's your hustle? <laughs> well, right now, uh, my hustle right now is that I'm the head of uh, marketing for, for, for Epson Philippines Corporation. And what's inside marketing, you say, it's such a general thing, no? <clears throat> Actually, it's a very uh, all-encompassing uh, position. Mm-hmm. I handle things like the, uh, the product management, no? And then uh, I have also something to do with uh, distributor management as well, mm-hmm. customer service, um, uh, supply chain management, and also the uh, marketing communication also of the company. Wow. So it's a quite a it's quite an all encompassing uh, thing marketing. All right, and that's a full uh, a holistic hustle, right there. <laughs> that you need you can't be a one trick pony, in order to you know thrive in this position. You've been in this role for a while now, but I want to understand, um, Ed, before you even uh, started um, all of that, uh, with with Epson, I want to understand the structure. Epson Philippines Corporation. I mean, I've, I've been seeing this since I was a kid, right? You, you see this around, you know, when you go to the cyber zones or wherever, right? But I, I want to understand the etymology before we ride our hardware as well here uh, called the Hustle Shirt Time Machine. What's the structure of Epson Philippines here? Because again, big conglomerates that are multinational here are again, uh, there's a lot, but each of them has different structures. What how does Epson Philippines operate in the grand scheme of things? Well, um, Epson Philippines Corporation, EPC, in mm-hmm. short, uh, we are a sales marketing and uh, uh, sales and marketing company <clears throat> uh, that, that handles Epson sales uh, nationwide for the Philippines. Now, so um, what we, the, the way we're structured here right, is that we have a country manager who is a Japanese and uh, and then underneath him, we have uh, some uh, general managers, one of them, uh, myself, uh, taking care of the, uh, of the marketing side. And we also have one for the, for the sales side. We also have another uh, person handling the, uh, the corporate services division or the back office side, you know, wow. HR. So and I, so and I, can, I can just imagine the type of you know, uh, efficiency, the years and years that you built into this. But before I get carried away, I need you to buckle up, Ed because we're going to have to ride the Hustle Share Time Machine. All right, buckle up. Sometimes it gets bumpy. Turbulent. And we're going intergalactic. All right. So um, I, I want to understand now, um, Epson is what your, your current hustle is and you've been around for, for, again, for a while here now, 13 years and counting, right? But 
I want to understand what did the young, what were, how, how were you raised? Because a lot of people who, who've been in this podcast, again, common denominator, and it might sound, sound like Ron Halliday a little bit, is that we all had a chip in our shoulder. Uh, we all had either massive influences or massive desire to succeed because you, you experience, um, uh, you know, uh, not, not so easy life back then or a mixture of both or, or whatnot. But what was that like uh, growing up for you? And did you even imagine that you're going to be leading this multinational company here in the Philippines? It's a dream. No, it was a dream. My father, my, my father uh, was an executive in several uh, companies uh, and uh, he, he did quite a bit. No, and I guess uh, at, at that point in time, uh, he, uh, he was known as a manager. No? And uh, he did quite a bit for the company that he was with, so much so that, um, that when he passed away, he, had, he was already at the cusp of his career. Unfortunately, he passed away quite young. No? So, um, but I think that was what set my sights. Uh, and as you said, no, a chip on your shoulder, it was a, a quite a, a big set of shoes for me to fill. Um, and it, this is something that I think I set my sights on uh, at the beginning of my career. Got it. And, uh, that's how, that's how it. That's how it began. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so Ed, you you mentioned already what growing up was like, but what were your first hustles that you had to take? Um, you know, and again, what what was the initial experiences that you had and the mindset you you had coming out of school? Uh, well, you know, uh, I think one of the things that influenced me a lot. Uh, was the fact when I when I graduated back in the 80s, you know, uh, one of the one of the things that happened to me was I was able to get uh, to work abroad as a trainee. Oh wow! Uh, yeah, through uh, through one of the uh, the uh, student organizations. Uh, Where? Back then. Uh, Isaac, if you, if you Isaac, know, yes. Right, right. So I was fortunate enough to have uh, have been. Uh, thrown over to the U.S., no? Wow. Uh, first, for, I, I worked for, I was assigned to a, uh, an automotive manufacturing company. Okay. Uh, there only for like a summer. Detroit? But no, no, no. Okay. In Connecticut. In Connecticut. Okay. All right. East Coast. All right. Right. And then after that, right after that, I was also able to get a traineeship this time with IBM in New York. Okay. Wow. Uh, yeah. Yeah. So that uh, I, I spent, I was able to uh, spend a year there. Mm-hmm. And then, uh, and then afterwards, I uh, got transferred over to Tokyo. Still, the same mm-hmm. thing. IBM. Wow. So that was a uh, that I think was a big uh, influence in me. I think it uh, changed uh, uh, my outlook a whole lot because it yeah. opened me up to uh, a whole dimension of uh, different personalities and different cultures. You know? So, in other words, uh, it I guess it it taught me that uh, the way we're used to doing things. Uh, here in the Philippines, it's not the only way. Correct. And uh, there, there, there are different points of views and different uh, starting points that people would take uh, when taking, uh, you know, when looking at the same, the same box, for example. Now they would Correct. be looking uh, at the same box, but probably from a different angle. Correct. And uh, that, 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 uh, that helped me to realize that there seems to be more than one way than looking at things. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, realizing that already opens up a whole lot of opportunities for you, because if uh, if this is if 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 you are only stuck at looking things one way, 
um, innovation or opening your mind to, uh, to doing things uh, will probably be a little bit difficult. No? Of course, you know, I may be generalizing, but uh, mm -hmm. uh, for me, that's, uh, that's my point of view. I think it was a blessing for, for me to have uh, been able to have that kind of experience, something that not very many people uh, have been able to go through. So I'm, I'm, I'm quite blessed with that one. That's amazing that's, because at, at yeah. the end of the day, um, again, what I've had also here uh, in, 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 in the podcast for a, lot, for a lot of times is, you know, there's something about going out of your comfort zone and, you know, working abroad uh, that teaches you about perspective. Yeah. And this is also very evident in the startup ecosystem, yeah. right? And I always say it, at least uh, in general, I'll just segue a little bit. In the startup ecosystem, there's three types of founders in the Philippines that you can times. Obviously, the first one is the expats. They come in with uh, a lot of macros, a lot of you know things that not a lot of locals uh, understand, but they they understand the macros, um, but they're not that good with the micros, the nuances that they see. The the polar opposite of that is the the grassroots type of founder, where they come in and they only understand the problem from their backyard and they only see things in one lens. Whereas there's a hybrid in between, where the local founder who had or the repatriates who understand the nuances but also have seen the other perspective of working abroad could be. Now, here's the, what's impressive about the, the type of founders, and I think you had a similar experience, is that you chose to come back, whereas a lot of people also just choose to be, to, you know, they, all, they call it the brain drain. But when you came back, what was the different perspective that you now see in how you operate and what, how did you see the next opportunities uh, that came your way? Well, uh... Maybe maybe even before that, just to just to reiterate what I was saying about uh, taking a look at things a different way. Yeah. I only want to. Uh, I also wanted to uh, say that uh, coming in from uh, from the U.S. and then uh, being able to work in, in Japan yeah. was actually and still the, for the same company. No, uh, <laughs> it was actually a big eye opener because uh, uh, you couldn't you couldn't find any uh, two sets of cultures that that were really opposite each other. Right? Absolutely. One, one being uh, Japanese culture, the other one being the American culture. Mm -hmm. And so uh, I, I put it as maybe the Philippines, we are somewhere in, in between where the, where the Japanese have a very mind, uh, different mindset and the, uh, and the Americans are very freewheeling uh, with right. regards to their, their own mindset. We are somewhere in between. Uh, yeah. Japanese cannot say no directly, or they can, depend, depending on your point of view. The, uh, the, the Americans uh, can you know, easily blurt out, yeah, very straightforward. We are somewhere in between. We are somewhere in between. And so moving on to your question about you know, where, where, this, uh, where this brings me. Uh, now, no, uh, how, how come, why did, I, why did I come back? That, that was your question. So it was really, uh, both uh, it was both a practical thing and a uh, an idealistic situation at the same time. Uh, on on one hand, uh, I, I came back actually because my my father had just passed away at that point in time. Yeah. And me being the eldest, of course, I, I felt that it's my, it was my responsibility to come over and uh, and uh, help out and lead the family. So that's that's what what brought me in. But at the same time, also, um, I think that it uh, was also an eye opener. At the same time, uh, uh, the Philippines should be uh, should be a place also of opportunity, you know, for for people with 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 uh, with my background or with my 
work experience, there could be quite a number of opportunities here. Uh, and that's why, that's, that's where I thought that maybe uh, I should be here. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Got it. So what's the next opportunity? When you came back, again, news for, new set of eyes, uh, the Eastern and Western approach to seeing things, so two, two different lenses. And again, if we're somewhere in between, how, what is the next opportunity that you, you came in here? Because you, you, you're a country manager of this one for a while. Yeah, well, uh, you know, when, when, I, when, I came, when I came back, you know, uh, well, I guess one of the things that I, I wanted to get into really was marketing. Uh, okay. Marketing, and um, so in fact, one of the, one of the first uh, jobs I got into when I did get back okay. was I worked for a fast food chain. Oh, wow. Marketing in a fast food chain, so I don't know. I wanted to check it out okay. and see how that that came in. You know? And uh, uh, after that, I uh, I went and took uh, my my MBA uh, okay. in uh, at the AIM. Wow. Uh, yeah, and uh, I guess it further cemented my uh, my 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 being my wanting to be in IT because at that time, especially you know, I, when you said. IT, information te technology, computers. Computers was a big thing. Yep. And everybody wants to be uh, in, into computers at that, uh, at that point in time. So, I, so that's where I went. You know? So both uh, being in comp into computers, to computing, uh, and being into the marketing aspect, I thought that was quite fascinating. And uh, so after, after AIM, uh, believe it or not, the, the first job I got after that was going into a software hub and they were uh, they were getting me ready to become an analyst, a software analyst. So meaning uh, I was supposed to be the in-between between, between uh, uh, the users, the end users uh, that had uh, computing needs and the programmers that would actually create programs based on the end users computing wants and needs. Uh, so I was supposed to be the, the bridge between that. And that was, uh, that was quite fascinating because uh, it, it forced you to communicate and think in a certain way. Be very methodical in the way you talk to your end users, okay. uh, getting to bring out their needs and wants. <clears throat> and at the same time also being able to think like a programmer such that you would really have to translate what the, what the yeah. end user wants for the programmers. Because the programmers also have their own way of thinking, right? I mean, you know, uh, they, they, they think- They're certain, problem solvers by default. Problem solvers by default. At the same time, they, they, they think very methodically. They right. think very methodically and, uh, and so very logically. And so there's, a, there's, a, there's, a, there's really a gap between the two. Right. Uh, and it's your job to, uh, to bridge, that, uh, bridge those two. But then, you know, after, uh, after a while, one of the things that came up totally unexpected was I was recruited. Uh, I, I went into a software, another software company. This time it was from a software house doing custom software. Mm. Uh, I, I moved into another type of software house. And at this time, uh, the software house was uh, uh, a packaged software house. It was wow. into enterprise software. So at that time it was mainframe software. Uh, so very very different. And here's the here's the here's the thing. Here's the rub mm -hmm. on that. I didn't come in as marketing, but I came in as sales. 
Oh. So I became a salesperson, and this, this is one of those times when, you know, uh, I, I had to, uh, I had to hustle. Ask, yeah, I, I had to ask myself and say, you know, is this something that I would like to get into? At that mm. point, my understanding of sales, I guess, was overly simple. <laughs> you Which know? is? Overly simple, meaning, you know, uh, these are the people who I, I always equated sales for some reason, mm. for some reason. I always equated sales with both car, uh, uh, used car salesmen, either that, or uh, you know, uh, department store salesmen. <laughs> <laughs> your Walmart so, guy. Yeah, right? your Walmart guy, or you know. Uh, so, so I, I, obviously, I was very ill-informed. Obviously, I was very ill-informed. Right. Um, but it, again, it was it was a big leap into something very new. So at that time, I I, I did ask uh, I I did ask my um, I told my wife, hey, um, I'm getting into something very different from what uh, what I'm used to. So yeah. it looks like I'm going to be mixing with a different group of people, and I'm going to be doing something very different from where I am uh, right now, and it probably is going to change my work life and probably the lifestyle as well you know uh so that means that i would be uh i expected to be hobnobbing and uh talking to uh, not only programmers but going up the ladder of all of these uh, enterprises going all the way up to the c level you know the cios the cfos to even the ceos uh, because of the large investment that uh, enterprise software brought and you know, brings and so it's not it's not something that your regular purchasing a person uh, would be able to get a handle on, no? nor would he have the power really to to say uh, that you know this multi-million peso investment uh, is something that would benefit the company. So that that needs that needs more uh, more decision making, uh, uh, more C level involvement, and that right. was the expectation. That was the expectation. So okay. I stayed there for, for, for quite for quite some time. No, I, in fact, this uh, this software this software company for a while, in fact, was even larger than Microsoft. Wow. Its, uh, yeah, it was larger than Microsoft at its early stages, right? And then, you know, Microsoft being the juggernaut it it it, it was then, and this no, it really went leaps and bounds. But even before that time, this company I was working for, the software house I was working for, I was actually larger than uh, than Microsoft itself. So that's 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 where I was, no, um, and it was interesting because it really made me, uh, it gave me a whole perspective and it gave me a whole uh, new way of thinking. Maybe templatized to a certain to a certain degree, uh-huh. because I would go to different uh, companies. No, uh, mm-hmm. my 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 customers were actually mainframe shops, yeah, mainframe shops, and then larger uh, mid range mid mid range uh, shops. So I would know all of the. I would know their architectures. I would know what was inside their uh, their 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 suite of uh, hardware and software. What were they doing? What were the enterprise software that they were using? How it would affect the business, uh, so on and so forth. And it gave me a very interesting perspective as to what was going on, mm-hmm. uh, because uh, it 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 told me what it almost would tell you. I mean, these are the software. And what they were doing inside the computers was something like the inner workings of what the business was. It would, it would give me the insight as to uh, what the, the, 
the company or what the banks are doing, you know, uh, and where they're uh, where they were headed at the same time. So a lot of a lot of interesting uh, things to look at and compare because um, selling software is something that uh, selling software is not something like you do over the counter. It's not like your it's not like a, it's not like fast moving uh, goods, right? Uh, mm -hmm. Consumer goods that you know you just uh, you just take a second to think about and you put it in your shopping cart and you move on. You you buy it. This right. one no, it takes uh, for, for 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 this kind of sales to happen. It takes a lot of business. It takes a lot of yep. months, sometimes even years, for you to be able to to sell this kind of uh, mm -hmm. of software to the company. And uh, in, in the process, you really have to you know roll your sleeves up and get into the business of uh, of, of these companies and understand why they need the software. Is it something that they will really help? That will really help them? Maybe it it might also be that it's a threat to some others within the company. You know. Aside from being a aside from being a, a, a godsend, uh, so so it's it was really it was really uh, interesting, it was really interesting, and um, you'd meet a whole. I mean, the, the good thing, great thing about sales, is that you meet a whole range of personalities. Absolutely, it's network building, and again, you you also discover a lot of those things. But before we take our first break, I want to understand. So again. Right now, obviously, the 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 set of lens that you you use is from a massive point of view because it's marketing driven. But in sales and marketing, I mean, coming from a startup founder, where the commonality that I see always because I've also done marketing and sales, but for my own startup. But at the end of the day, it's a matter of persuasion. The only exactly. difference is how you persuade it in the channel that you actually do to get that done. Oh but, gosh, don't, don't get me started about that. Uh, okay. I, have whole, <laughs> I have a whole massive, uh, uh, a lot of things to say about exactly what you were saying. So anyway, right. as you were but saying- What's the two cent version? If uh, about the similarity of sales and marketing, how persuasion is the whole core of this thing? Actually, you know, for me, huh? It's all about educating your market. It's all yeah. about educating your market. You know, the, the, the best, uh, and, I, and I've, I've been through companies already. Uh, I've been through companies that have great products. However, the, as you put it in your words, the persuasion was not there because there was a lot of hard selling and there was no differentiating or there was right. no, uh, they, they didn't spend enough time Telling the market exactly what made their product the best, yeah. right? So it was all about edu education of the market, and I think that's that's one of the biggest uh, that's one of the biggest learnings that I that I had over the years through the years, and it's something that uh, you know, uh, it's something that I've experienced because I've I've been into IT for for quite some time, uh, ever since the eighties uh, on the uh, on the sales and marketing side, and um, and I've I've been through uh, the different kinds of uh, IT companies, all the way from as as you as you know uh, from software, from customized software to packaged software, and then I even went into uh, into system integration. Uh, I've been into uh, e-commerce as well, and then uh, at the end of everything, uh, hardware. 
So I, I was with a server company, no? Mm -hmm. One of the, uh, at, that, at that point in time, one of the big three, three mm -hmm. or four, at that, at that point, uh, because it's the, the, the industry consolidated, right? So uh, quite a number of uh, these companies disappeared or were eaten up by a bit the bigger hardware companies. Uh -huh. So I was I was in uh, I was with one of these uh, bigger server uh, server software companies, um, and then finally, finally after all of that, then I landed up here in Epson, which mm. is on the uh, peripheral Saman, the peripheral uh, side of the right. uh, the, the IT uh -huh. IT uh, you know, IT world. So I've been through it all apparently. Yeah, very interesting. I've had an interesting journey. Yeah, that's amazing. Now, let's take our first break. And when we come back, let's now talk about your hustle in Epson. And it's a deep dive, especially in how you grow it. Well, let's talk about that more after the break. And we're back from a break. We are still with Ed Bonoan again, who's told us how, again, persuasion is the key. And especially if you're a startup and you're listening to this, you can learn a lot. Because, again, at the end of the day, whether it's a user or a paying customer, you need to educate and, you know, um, rep repetition is also key because some people just might not get it in first try. So you have to have the stamina to keep singing the same song, but from different angles, not the same thing. This is so repetitive. Uh, in order for when when the inflection point happens, you'd be the first one to get it. But the inflection point has happened so many times already for Epson itself, and you've evolved towards the year and uh, towards the years. But when you came in here. Uh, at April 2008, how has the evolution of Epson, from your point of view, um, Ed, uh, changed? Because again, 2008 to two, 2021, a lot of things have happened and a lot of advances have happened as well. That's an interesting story, Ron. Um, Epson at that point in time uh, was known pretty much, we were competing uh, more in the retail market. Um, maybe, uh, I don't know if your audience knows, but Epson actually has quite a has a very large portfolio of products, uh, not wow. only uh, not only in in inkjet uh, consumer, okay. uh, not just the ones that you can buy from your IT shop or for your regular printers uh, for your printing needs at home, but yep. we also have things like large format printers, uh, large format printers, CAD printers, um, you know all of these uh, all of these uh, you know these ads in the magazines. Okay. Uh, this all first goes through our large format printers uh, when it comes to proofing. So, you know, Epson has a lot of uh, experience in that. So anyway, um, we also have things like uh, dot matrix, uh, you know, <laughs> your classic wow. dot matrix machines, right? So we all know about that. But how, how were we then uh, when, when we first came in? We were very much really, uh, I think we were very much a follower. I, I believe a follower at that time in the Philippine market because um, we were we were really following what the others were doing. Um, when they, they they brought out promos, we were we were trying to imitate their promos. We were trying to uh, do uh, you know uh, bundlings and all of these these crazy consumer yeah. uh, consumer promos that you're that you're familiar with. Huh? Um, however, and I and I, I believe it, it there was a limited output. Uh, there was limited success. Um, we the the competitor the competitors at that time were four and uh, let me we're four at least in the printing industry right that that that, uh, that you know yeah. right? uh, and 
the three, the three, the top three, uh, we were number three. We were quite close to each other. Maybe we were in, in the, our market share was in the 20s, and then the others were in the 30s, uh, low 30s. So yeah. very close to each other. And right. it, it really looked like we were just following, following the leader. So we could never get out into number two. We could never get out into number one. Okay. Until finally, you know, we said, um, when we finally came out, we were the first company to come out with uh, 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 continuous, uh, you know, the, the continuous uh, ink, uh, ink uh, printers, the ones with the bote yung, uh, Yeah, ink, yeah. No? Okay, before it was in cartridges. Mm -hmm. Anyway, when we switched over to the bottles, it was an opportunity for us to change. Right. And, um, what we did was we went through this massive uh, campaign of educating the market, not just only the retail side, but also the corporate side. You know? mm -hmm. And it was all about get, figuring out how, do we, how can we get captive audiences and how do we take advantage of captive audiences. So on the, on the retail side, uh, we made sure that our promoters, our promoters who stayed at the storefront and the, and the dealer salesmen at the storefront knew exactly what our product was and we trained them, trained and trained and trained. It was really yeah. repetition, you know, yeah. until, you know, uh, all they could think about is Epson. Same thing also on the, on the corporate side. On the corporate side, we were, we were doing a lot of uh, seminars which we used to call technology updates, which we still do call technology updates. And it was all about you know, what is Epson? What are our products? How can it benefit you? Why is it different from the other products? Mm -hmm. So that was that was the that was the main strategy really. How do we how do we use the name for ourselves? How do we differentiate ourselves? And how do we tell the market that we are different from the competition? How do we Got educate it. them? And it came out, it 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 turned out to be a winning strategy because nice. once we once we took away things like price, huh? Because if, 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 if that's what we that's what we see, if your market is ignorant about your products, all they will right. really look at is price. Right. Right. So price really negates uh, price negates all the benefits for all your high tech you know innovations. If you, if they can't understand that, then all they will look at is price. And at the end of the day, the cheapest the one with the lowest cost will win. Right. Correct. So no matter how much uh, features you place in there, price negates everything. Correct. So once we were able to communicate that to the market, then we were able to remove price as the number one criteria. Of course, price will always be there as a criteria. Yeah. But the market will always have a budget, but at least that is pulled down the the the, the, the ladder in terms Correct. of priority. And yeah. uh, what we found out, what we found out was we were able to, uh, whereas before, the market was always competing in terms of low end, who has the cheapest uh, uh, printer yeah. units, for example. This time we were, they were, we were already getting customers that were saying, no, 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 okay, now that I understand, I'm I'm willing to take a leap, and you know, let's not talk about what the price is. What we're looking for is what are the what are the functions. That can take my needs on, and I'm and we found out that the that the customers are now willing to pay actually, if they right. understand they're actually willing to shell out the money, and I think this uh, this is a this is a very important lesson also for for startups, no, uh, because this is this is something where uh, 
speed where you have to really differentiate yourself and ensure that the benefits are actually understood by the market. When the market finds out about that, they'll go head over heels and right. budget will not be as big an issue. Of course, it will always be that, mm -hmm. but it won't play as big an issue if your market was ignorant about what you're selling, right? Yeah. So anyway, so I no, think, that... I, I think the, the communication side was something that we excelled in so much so that um, for the ink for the inkjet uh, market, we were actually able to move from like 20s, 20%, 20, mid 20%, which was quite high at that point in time. We actually were able to leapfrog the competition. And now we are uh, for the uh, inkjet ink tank category, we are now at 65%, which is wow. We are at 65%. So it's guaranteed that one in every two printers sold in the country is an Epson printer. That's an, amazing. Printer. Yeah. So it's 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 done that, no? And then for the other categories of, uh, of Epson products, then and then we were able using that same strategy, we've been able to leapfrog into uh, into number one or at least contender, being a contender for number one using that strategy. Wow, yeah. that's incredible. Now I want to understand because again, it's already hard to evangelize this on rep on repeat. Um, outside and again you don't even know you have you'll have a, a little bit of a feeling that you know things are now starting to go in your favor but stamina goes a long way but more than stamina how did you get the buy-in of getting the right people who have the right stamina to even do this in repetition and what are the the creative channels that you have to go because again it was a it was a head-to-head -head battle Oh, yeah, right, yeah. and I'm pretty sure it's a copycat league. If 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 people your your competition saw that, oh wait, Epson's trying to do that too. Maybe it's time for me to do that. So how did you carve out that niche? You are so no, you were so right about that because um, one of the we were expecting that you know it would be so easy for for the competition to copy exactly what we were doing. It's just a matter of holding all of these seminars and you know training your right. people. But apparently, it's not as simple as that. It actually goes back down into the organization and how you're organized, how you're organized, how uh, what kind of roles and responsibilities your people are. Have. Yeah. So, for example, let me let me let me give a, let me let me give a an example. Mm -hmm. um, what we did for for all of our promoters uh, on the store in the storefront mm -hmm. is we trained them to be trainers themselves. Mm -hmm. okay. So we we versus what I understand one of our competitors was doing was that the one they outsourced the training. The other one is for another for, for another com competitor, they only had one trainer in the whole Philippines doing training. Yeah. And so it it uh, it uh, it made it made for a very big it made for a very big uh, uh, advantage for us. So right. it's all about it's all about the organization and how and the roles that you give to your people. Correct. And uh, let, me, let, me, let, me, let me say this. Let me say this. This took years. It took Correct. years. I, would, I can imagine. Not an overnight. It was not an overnight thing. A lot of, uh, there were a lot of mistakes that we made and we had yeah. to go back to the drawing board. So it took many years. But again, look at that. When you plant that seed and now made everybody an evangelist and that, that eventually becomes an uh, multiplier effect rather than putting all your eggs in one person that and if that person decides to leave your organization you are screwed 
right? No, not, but not here, necessarily. Not, yeah. not necessarily. I think that I think again, it's not just only it's not just the work of one person, but it's the work of many people. Correct. correct. So the work of an entire of the entire organization. So one one side fails. Um, yeah. It's very easy not to succeed. You know? yeah. So and we had to make sure that everybody was on the same page. And we had the same mindset, and it worked for us. It worked for us. No, again, and and that's a, a testament to how great the culture that you guys built, because that feedback loop from sales to marketing and, and going or whoever needs to touch that, that needs to be in sync in order for this whole transformation and this whole mission to come to fruition. Because again, it's a long play, and if there's not enough buy-in from right. inside, it won't even resonate outside, right? And that's amazing what you guys done. But I also want to understand now. From aside from from this, you're talking about Epson has been a big advocate for sustainability because again, you guys have been doing amazing products. Again, I've seen also the culture of respect that you guys had for the environment. I think it's never wavered over time, and I think uh, from what I see is that uh, Epson has sustainability at its core. But let's let's talk about that. What why why this sudden change also in now not just growth because sometimes it can people think it's 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 uh it's zero sum that you have to either grow and not talk about sustainability when in reality it shouldn't be that way why, why how did this change happen in in epson well you know we've, we've been we've been very uh, successful in, in the way we communicate you know? so i think it, it's it was time for us to uh, to brand to reach out now to go beyond what we're used to uh, just always talking about products and uh, so we've, we've 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 gone through that already and okay. so we're reaching, we're reaching uh, further, no? Because sustainability really is something that is very applicable to the, today, no? It's it's a relevant issue. It's a relevant issue that uh, that uh, companies are not only Epson, but actually a lot of other companies also are taking a look at, no? If mm. if 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 our environment, uh, we don't take care of environment, our environment will eventually uh, not take care of us, and it will be also bad for business. So it's a two-way street, no? uh, the environment and business. And business, we have to make sure that we uh, that we have the same that we are able to work with each other. No, so uh. now the, the, here, here's the here's the thing. Also, it's not just about uh, your 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 regular sustainability pitch. No, actually, uh, it, there's a lot of uh, putting your money where your mouth is. And in Correct. fact, Epson Epson actually has been doing this since practically since its founding. Uh, since the time it was uh, the, the time it started, no. So in mm. the in the forties, uh, it was the factory was a very small factory in the in the forests of Nagano Prefecture mm. in Japan. And right. uh, even at that time, you know, they started. You know, they, they knew that the community was the community uh, was dependent on the environment, and of course, uh, Epson also was. Uh, very uh, dependent also in the community. So mm. without taking care of the community, without taking care of the environment, then eventually uh, Epson would be uh, shooting itself in, shooting itself in the foot. No? Right. So it, it started off uh, by uh, treating wastewater uh, being mm. discharged from the from the wow. from the factory. No? Uh, yeah. Polluting the there's a lake there called Lake Sua. It's a beautiful lake. So just mm. imagine that if, if, if Epson didn't didn't take care of uh, uh, wastewater. You know, yeah. uh, Lake Suwa wouldn't be. That'd be a cesspool. Yes, if if mm -hmm. well, at least if you if you go to Japan, uh, 
that's one right. of the areas that uh, you should go, go and take a look at. Correct. Uh, so, so this is something that uh, has become the mantra of uh, of Epson, and it's advocated globally. Um, and it's, it. it's it's something about it has something it has a lot also to do with it's not just only about uh, us and the environment it's about uh, talking about respect for yeah. both sides right so it's this respect that we have for both the environment and mm. for the community that you know uh, we should be that it should be in the conversation and it's about sustaining this this uh, 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 this vision. Okay, which is actually the harder part of it all. Okay. Right. And I, I can imagine, you know, supervising supply chain and customer service is already a huge task. But when you talk about marketing and we're ultimately talking about like brand comms, which again, persuasion is the biggest undertone in that. How has communications evolved for Epson in the Philippines at least during this time? And so um, Epson actually, it, it was about uh, communicating, like for example, our corporate vision. Uh, we 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 had to recommunicate uh, our vision because we want to make sure that Epson is uh, we're not only just about printers but we're about uh, being relevant to society as a whole. So we're coming up with all of these different new technologies, and we have to start off actually by saying that we are relevant and we uh, care for the environment and we can sustain. We can sustain it. So in fact, by 2050, we should be. Uh, underground resource free and wow. we should also be carbon negative huh? wow so we're, we should be we should be using less oils and metals hopefully by that time mm -hmm. so i think that's that's how that's how far epson uh, looks at into the future yeah and i think i've even seen you guys collab uh, i forgot where i saw this but i you you partnered with nat geo yeah. Yes, or uh, something. Yes, yes, yes. For not geo, for the uh, for for uh, turn down the heat uh, wow. campaign. Now, because okay. again, uh, it's about global warming, and uh, yeah. our technologies actually goes very well with with uh, anti global warming because we uh, we choose to be more uh, energy efficient, and uh, you know by using heat free technologies. So this right. is something that we have to be able to translate also into the market. You know, how it. does it? How do? How does the market? How does? The, how do the communities benefit from this kind of community? And bear in mind that that, that these uh, these technologies that Epson uh, uh, promotes are actually all homegrown, all invented mm. by Epson. So it's something that Amazing. we're very proud about. Very very proud about. Uh, mm. And that's why, and that's why we think that it's really part of our DNA to be uh, pushing and communicating yeah. this. So this is exactly what I was telling you about. You know, we have yeah. all of these great technologies, but if we are not able to communicate this, then you know, at the end of the day, customers again will take a look at it. What's the, what price? At what price? You know, that that kind of thing. Mm. And uh, we've also gone, we've gone uh, beyond this. You know? We've gone beyond this by going and partnering. Not only with Natio, but in the past we've also partnered up with the uh, uh, DNR, the mm. Department of Natural Resources, no, and also the Green Education Philippines, wow. um, which is which is the youth arm. No, so uh, <laughs> we did things like upcycling seminars and even an eco film. So nice. we 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 rolled in uh, activities uh, to show and to communicate about all of this environment sustainability. 
no? So yeah. it's not only about it's not only about us doing the hard talking, but it's also about us being involved in others coming up with their own stories, right? Mm -hmm. So that's so the so the I think I think the, the final one that we have ongoing right now is with uh, Geo. So the campaign is called uh, "Turn Down the Heat," no? and it's supposed to be helping to protect the world's permafrost, uh, which is wow. the, you know the the, the frozen earth underneath uh, in, in the peace, uh, in the polar region of the earth, right? right. So uh, I think we all know that, uh, that, that permafrost is under a huge yep. And so this is something where uh, we all should be very concerned about. Right. Uh, and this is sea levels. Exactly. This is already for our children or our children's children, you know? Yep. So that's, 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 what, we, that's what we're looking at. We're, we're taking a look at. Uh, our own technologies, and then equating it with uh, the, the environment, and we have to make sure that we make good with with what we're saying. No? Uh, you know, heat-free technologies it goes hand in hand with uh, global warming, anti-global warming, and making sure that uh, we are going through a sustainable, uh, or at least our 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 technologies are sustainable for the long term. All right. Now that's amazing. And let's take our last break. And when we come back, let's talk about paying it forward. You know, what's the MO of how you can actually make it this big, especially in the, the corporate ladder, just like how Ed did. <laughs> well, let's talk about that more after the break. And we're back from the break. We are still with Ed Bonoan, who again told us all the amazing things that the EPC or Epson, Philippines Corporation, are doing here. Uh, but again, there's so many hats you're wearing. There's so much responsibility that, that's, that fall under your plate, Ed. But I want to understand, from your point of view, with all these things happening you know, within your realm of responsibility, what's your day-to-day -day like? And how do you even manage to make people all in the same page, given the scale of what you're doing? Yeah, well, uh, okay. I, I guess, let me... Let me just maybe I, I think I think I should get into uh, uh, how did I get into all of these roles? Uh, because my my start really came from marketing and sales, no? um, taking care of uh, customer service and taking care of uh, uh, you know, supply chain management, also doing marketing communication, so the support. No? So I, I think. Uh, it's very easy to get caught in, in a uh, comfort zone. And I, I think that, that being stuck in a comfort zone is the way to start day. Believe it or not, one of, the, one of my first roles that got me out of uh, my comfort zone was handling, so let's, make it, let's make it very simple. Okay. Uh, retail sales. Yep. <laughs> so I, I started off uh, in corporate corporate sales, you know, corporate marketing. But for me, for the life of me, I couldn't figure out retail sales. But, and, and so that was one of the challenges. That, one of the first challenges I had, at least within the term, uh, how to get out of how to get out of uh, out of my routine, out of my. Uh, well, rough if you if you if you depending on where you're looking, it's rough. But um, 
There, exactly the same thing. Like you know, I'm not an expert at this. However, the people that I'm going to be managing are actually uh, the experts. I cannot claim to be an expert at anything. And I think anyone with a journalist background will always, uh, you know, I, I think people have to understand that it's impossible to be expert at everything. And this is where us generalists, uh, us general managers, generalist managers, have to realize that, you know, and that's why we have to be able to have good rapport. We have to be able to manage people from different sources. We have to understand the you know, overview, the overview of everything, but how it fits together. That's a different, that's a different story. And I think, I think, uh, Managing all of these different functions. Of course, at the beginning of it all, it will all sound like gobbledygook, yeah? uh, nonsense. But once you get into, once you get, you know, you roll up your, your sleeves and you get into, uh, get into uh, the daily grind of things, not understanding it, you get to understand so much more. You know? But of course, you, I think one of the things that you have to realize is that you're you're also not trying to steal away the thunder okay, from a, you're not trying to steal the thunder from your people. At the, at the end of everything, they're the ones doing heavy lifting, and you have to be able to put them also on that pedestal uh, to make them feel good about themselves. But it's your responsibility to understand exactly what they're doing and how you can empower them to make the right decisions and, uh, and do things correctly in the direction that you want them. Nice. So, so, for example, first, uh, so now I'm, I'm handling uh, uh, customer service, for example. I, I, I think it's something that's way uh, different from my training. You know? So now I have engineers that are under me, technical people that do, uh, in our customer service, we both have pre-sales and post-sales uh, technical people. Uh, and it's about understanding how they work and what makes them think and what motivates them. Uh, and also being able to hear what they have to say because at the end, at, at, uh, they're actually the experts. They're the ones that know the business. And you have to be able to get their input because they're also the people at the ground. They're the guys that are talking to the, the dealers, salesmen, the end users, okay? This is, this is still your market. They have a lot, they have a wealth of knowledge. They have a wealth of knowledge that you yourself can learn from. And you, you won't have the same kind of feel uh, for the market in the same way that these people do because they, have, they come in daily contact with the market every single day of their career. So in essence, they are the experts. Now, your job as the manager is how do you tie all of these people together, how do you get and uh, cultivate all of their ideas and make it, put it into a winning formula and strategy. That's your responsibility at least as a manager. No? So that's, uh, I think, I think, I think one, no? I think one is getting out of your comfort zone is important already. Right? Don't, don't worry about being the expert because you will never be the expert against somebody that has been doing his, his job, being a, doing a specialist job 
for the past 10 years or 15 years, you know, 20 years. There's no way that you're going to surpass. I think one of the things that uh, in, in, in one of the roles that I had, <clears throat> in one of the roles that I had, when I came into a department and uh, to lead people, uh, I told them, I am not an expert. I was quite upfront yep. with them. And I said, I am not the expert here. You guys are. However, my value add to you in this department is I will put together a framework by which we will work. We will get your ideas to work. We will make it more met. Uh, we'll put more of a methodology in it. We will make we will put more of a logic into what you're doing. Okay. And by doing this, by by arranging things into this manner, uh, you know, putting this managerial style together, then we will be able to work with each other. You having the practical knowledge, me having more of the uh, organizational managerial uh, expertise. We put that together, and I think we will have a different combination. And so that's that's how that's how we that's how we did it, and that's the kind of mindset that I try to. Uh, to put into uh, in each of the different functional areas that you know should be quote unquote uh, quite daunting yep. for me. So that's 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 where I'm coming from. All right, sounds good. Now, before I let you go, if you have an advice to your old self, what would you tell the young Ed that was just you know coming back from Japan? And um, you know, from the states, you know, I'm pretty sure there's there's a lot of other things that we you you know now, hindsight being 2020. But what would be your advice for your old self, knowing all these things that you know now? Hmm, that's a very good question. I've never really, I've never really thought about it. Knowing what I know today, it's still about being, it's still about being open-minded. It's still about you know, uh, trying to accept and uh, accept challenges mm-hmm. as they come. The challenges that may be thrown uh, to you may not be the ones that you want, but because they are in front of you, go ahead and grab them mm-hmm. and try and solve the problem. You may not, again, you may not be the expert, but mm-hmm. there are people around you that can help you. That's advantage of that. All Take right. Thank you very much, Ed, for again such an amazing episode. But before I let you go, I need to I need to know what's the future that we envision for Epson Philippines, and if they want to reach out to you and work with you or whatever, what where do they go, and how do they do that? Well, uh, okay, for, for, the, for the future, um, we always. Epson. Continue to have all of these 
technologies that we will present and that we will package into different products. So this we hope also uh, with the kind of uh, selling style, marketing style that we've been able to develop over the years. We hope also that we will get all of these products and we will be able to sponsor each and every market that we get into. Yep. So that's uh, that's how we that's how we uh, envision ourselves in, in the future years. So it's not just only about the regular dress up there. All right. Thank you very much again. And before I let you go, follow us whatever podcast app you're listening to, whether it's Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or any other podcast that you use. I mean, podcast app that you use. But again, if we did say some jargon, it's going to be in the show notes in hustleshare.com. And again, if you want to be part of all our little community as well, it's going to be the Hustle Share community on Facebook. Again, Ed, thank you very much. Thank you very much, too. Thank you much. Very, very interesting to be doing your show. Thank you. I appreciate it. And again, I'll see you guys in the next episode. Peace. Hey, Hustlers, it's time to talk business once again. And we're excited to share a bit more info about our sponsors, Sprout Solutions. And again, just like what I said at the start of the episode, you should check out Sprout's Payroll Starter as you grow your own startup. Because this bundle that they have is literally what you need to take your startup to the next level as you grow your employees. And this bundle is your key to freedom, including payroll outsourcing to experts, a subscription to timekeeping and attendance software, and government compliance services. Sprout's Payroll Starter has you covered for payroll, BIR, SSS, and taxes. All the stuff that no founder loves to do. So let Sprout handle the busy work and say goodbye to lines and tax payment stress. All this for as low as 5,000 pesos. Again, that's just 5,000 pesos all in for your payroll and HR needs. So visit sprout.eh payroll-starter-monthly-5k or again, just click the link in the description box of this episode to elevate your business management game. And again, big thank you to Sprout Solutions liberating your time for what truly matters. Hey hustlers, wish there was an easy way to open a bank account and grow your money without the hassle of lengthy application process and income documents? Well, I got good news because today's sponsor, Uno Digital Bank, is here to help you achieve your financial goals. You can easily open an account with the Uno app in just five minutes and one valid ID. And as one of the six digital banks licensed by the Banco Central ng Pilipinas, the company is committed to providing customers with simpler, better, and more accessible banking. Last year, Uno Bank was recognized by the Asia Banking and Finance Awards and bagged the title Open Banking Initiative of the Year due to the success of its partnership with Gcash, one of the Philippines' leading mobile wallet platforms. And with the Uno mobile app, you can access an hashtag Uno Ready Savings account and enjoy daily interest crediting. With their hashtag Uno Earn or hashtag Uno Boost Time Deposit accounts, you can enjoy a high interest rate of up to 6.5% per annum. Enjoy monthly payouts with hashtag Uno Earn and flexible tenors with hashtag UnoBoost. Other app features include pay bills, the Uno Virtual Debit MasterCard, life insurance, scan and pay with QRPH, and phones. And the one thing that I really love about Uno Digital Bank is they're open to collaborate with a lot of Filipino startups. I've had a chance to see the partnerships that they've had lined up with the startups that they have, and it's truly exciting to see how a digital bank like Uno can enable startups to unlock the power of fintech through digital banking. 
So if you're ready to elevate your banking experience, download the Uno mobile app today from the Google Play Store or App Store. Or if you want to collaborate with them, I'll be happy to give you an intro. Just shoot us an email at hello at huffleshare.com. Hey, Hustlers, I hope you're having a great 2024 so far. As you know, a lot of startups had a very challenging 2023, and hopefully things are going to do better this year for a lot of us. Not just because it's the year of the dragon, but also because our sponsor, Dragon Pay, is here to help your startups process payments in the most efficient way. Established in 2010, Dragon Pay empowers businesses of all sizes to accept and disperse payments through secure and convenient channels giving your customers the flexibility to choose the payment method that suits them best. With over 85 partner channels, 35,000 partner branches nationwide, including QRPH, e-wallets, crypto, buy now, pay later, and many more. They also process an astonishing 15 million transactions processed globally each month. Dragon Pay is your trusted choice for online payments. And here's something to show you how legit Dragon Pay is. Dragon Pay was named Fintech of the Year at last year's Philippine Fintech Festival in 2020. So let's make 2024 extra prosperous for you and your startup in this year of the Dragon. For more details, head on over to dragonpay.ph. That's dragonpay.ph. Trust the pioneer, trust Dragon Pay. <laughs> 